0: Hello and welcome to another podcast with me Mr Huffenpuff. This podcast is about the principles of training and the four principles you need to know are individual needs, specificity, progressive overload, FIT principle which includes frequency, intensity, time and type. You are going to need to know these principles of training for your exam but also for your PEP, your personal exercise programme you'll know that different athletes prepare in different ways. Perhaps you could think of sprinters practicing their starts from the blocks, or boxers doing some skipping, or long distance runners or cyclers gradually extending the length of their practice cycles or runs. When you are completing your PEP, your personal exercise program, which is part of the coursework for this GCSE, you'll need to take into account your body build, your sport and a position played, your aims, and most importantly, your current level of fitness. One of the key principles of training that you can use in your PEP is called specificity. If you use specificity training to improve your cardiovascular fitness, you you can choose particular methods of training to help improve your cardiovascular fitness. This should be made really clear when you are creating your PEP and you'll need to highlight exactly where you are using the principle of specificity and how and what impact it had on you. Let's talk about individual needs. When you're planning your PEP, the needs of the individual athlete must come first. Using another program created by somebody else will not work because every athlete has totally different needs and different starting points. Your training and an athlete's training should focus on these. A really good example of this are athletes starting a program with a low level of fitness. They should not follow the program of someone who has been training for a long time. They might find this very difficult and give up, or they could even sustain an injury. A really extreme example would be a first-time marathon runner using an experienced marathon runner's training program. I myself have run marathons and ultra-marathons, and I have to design and create and follow my own program fit for me, my body type, and my experience. If I use somebody else's and I don't have the fitness, experience, or motivation to use it properly, I could cause potential injury to myself. And unfortunately, in some cases, this has happened. Now let's look at specificity. Specificity means matching training to requirements of an activity. Every sport has its very own specialist needs. Divers and long distance runners obviously train in very different ways. Specificity in football might mean concentrating on cardiovascular fitness or speed. Cardiovascular fitness enables players to keep going for longer, while speed helps them to move quickly during the game. Goalkeepers in football on the other hand have totally different training needs, such as agility. So in fact, premiership football clubs have specialist goalkeeping coaches to help with this. Therefore, specificity is not just specific to the activity and the sport, but also to the position or role that you are undertaking in that activity. The need for specificity is really clear in a game such as rugby. All the players must be very fit and strong, good levels of cardiovascular fitness and strength, but forwards need to train for strength when pushing in the scrum, while backs need to be faster and more agile to get past defenders. An exam tip that is worth knowing is the word specificity. Students sometimes use specify, special, specific or even specification. These are not correct. You need to use the correct terminology in your exams, and the correct word, and you need to spell it correctly. One way to remember it is to remember specific, and then add itty on the end of it. S-P-E-C-I-F-I-C plus I-T-Y, spare specificity. Now let's look at progressive overload. The term overload is used to describe when an athlete trains more than they normally do. This is the way athletes can improve their fitness. It is often mistaken for training too much, resulting in injury, but this is not correct. All progressive overload means is working at a higher range of intensity than the minimum required to improve your fitness, basically the minimum threshold of training while staying below the maximum threshold of training. The area between the minimum threshold of training and the maximum threshold is known as the target zone and is often found in heart rates. Progressive overload means gradually increasing the amount of overload so as to gain fitness without becoming injured. The principle of progressive overload applies to all areas of health-related fitness. Here are some examples. For muscular endurance, overload training might be between 60 and 80 percent of the maximum repetitions you can create. For strength, overload training may mean lifting weight at 60 to 80 percent of your maximum effort. And to improve flexibility, overload training means that the stretch must reach or pass the end of the full range of movement to bring about the movement. Improving cardiovascular fitness can be shown by reducing your resting heart rate over a period of training. For example, in the PEP, the personal exercise program that you are creating for your exam and your coursework, the PEP should last six weeks. Some key terms that will help you with this are target zones. This is the range within an individual needs to work for aerobic training to take place, which is 60 to 80% of the maximum heart rate. You need to know that progressive overload means gradually increasing the amount of overload to improve fitness but without injury. And for your PEP you should apply the principle of progressive overload. You need to review and evaluate your six week training program after two weeks and gradually increase the overload. Then you review and evaluate after another two weeks and you adjust again. Now your teachers will help you do this during the training program process, but it is your responsibility to be aware of this and be able to evaluate it in the conclusion. By doing this in the PEP, you are gradually adjusting the train loads, using progressive overload to improve your fitness on the area you have identified to improve. It is really, really important to remember that progressive overload, and the word overload, does not mean training too hard or too much. This is a really common mistake that people have made for a number of years. Make sure that you know the correct definition of progressive overload, which as I've said before, is gradually increasing the amount of overload to improve fitness, but without injury. Now let's look at the FIT principle. The FIT principle stands for frequency, how often, intensity, how hard, time, how long, and type, which is a method. The FIT principle works with the principle of progressive overload because as you get fitter, you can train more frequently, train at a higher intensity and for longer periods of time at any given type of activity. Frequency means how often to train. It can be adjusted to help you manage progressive overload. A really good example of this is a training exercise could be planned for a minimum of three times a week, but could be increased to four times a week. Frequency overlaps with the principles of rest and recovery, which I'll talk about later, and it can be used to make good use of these. A good example of this is training every other day, which would allow a rest to recover on the days between training. This would give the body time to adapt and gain the benefits from the training session. Intensity means how hard someone trains. Intensity might vary depending on the aims and the type of training you're doing. A good example is the intensity for a runner would mean getting a little breathless and raising your heart rate in the target zone. However, whatever the type of training, it must be carried out at a worthwhile level of intensity as part of progressive overload, otherwise you won't make any improvements. Planning the intensity of training correctly is really important. Now let's look at time. Time means how long each training session must last in order to be of any benefit and to achieve improvement. Some examples of this include, at least 20 minutes per session should be spent in the target zone. This does not mean 5 minutes to warm up and 5 to train and 5 to cool down and another 5 to shower and change back again. It means 20 minutes of full blown proper training. In terms of cardiovascular fitness, at least 20 minutes should be spent training with the heart rate in the target zone after a really good effective warm-up and a proper cool-down at the end. Professionals and elite athletes will train for much longer than this to reach the required levels of fitness. They will spend more than 20 minutes warming up, and marathon runners are likely to spend over two hours running on a Sunday morning, in addition to all the other training they do during the week. My example of this is that I run marathons and ultramarathons on the trail and I'll do between one and a half and two hours training on a Monday night, the same on a Wednesday, and then at least two, two and a half hours very early Sunday morning when I'm not injured. I will also try to do a swim session at some point during the week to help my body to recover whilst also developing my cardiovascular fitness. Finally, let's look at type. This means the method of training to achieve particular goals type overlaps with the principle of specificity. Training should be chosen according to what needs to be improved and what the end goal is. If strength needs to be improved by training, is it muscular strength or muscular endurance? It needs to be specific to the type of training you want to do to help you improve. Many people may want to improve their fitness overall Without having a particular goal in mind, this can be achieved through a wide variety of activities that raise the heart rate into the target zone to maintain a healthy and active lifestyle. These include dancing, swimming, cycling, walking briskly, jogging, and aerobics, to using a cross trainer. The type of training is much more important for sports people who specialise in one event and want to compete at a high level. For example, sprinters train specifically to improve their speed, so focus on particular training methods. One of the things I would like to do in the future is a triathlon, therefore I need to train specifically at swimming, then specifically in cycling, and specifically in running, and I need to train for the distances that I would enter as well. There's no point in me training for a marathon and developing my uh, slow twitch muscle fibres through specific training if that the run in the triathlon is only 5k or 3 miles. Now let's look at rest and recovery and you may hear my girls playing on the playground and in the background. Um, But Rest and recovery is basically now recognized as being really important for all training programs and I've said in lessons it's something that I don't think that athletes um, and certainly athletes at my level build into their programs very well which is probably why I'm injured again. The human body reacts to a hard training session by creating its ability to cope with future punishing training sessions. This process is called adaptation but it only happens when you rest. When you rest your body has time to recover repairing and strengthening itself between workouts. Your body can adapt to the stress associated with exercise. It replenishes its stores of energy known as muscle glycogen and it repairs body tissue. You need to include rest and recovery into a training program. A really good example is someone who trains five times a week would probably train on three days, take a day off to recover and allow adaptation to take place, then train on the next two days and then rest again on the seventh. Professionals and elite athletes may follow a program where they train more often than this but they may rest different parts of their bodies on different days. For example, we've all heard of people going to the gym and working on their upper body only, letting their legs rest, and then a day after, working on their legs and giving their upper body a time to rest. Overtraining is another term you need to know. Hitting a good level of training is sometimes a delicate balance for sports people, but it's really important you get it right. Overtraining happens when you train your body beyond its ability to recover. Athletes often exercise longer and harder so that they can improve, however without rest and recovery this can backfire and actually make your performance worse. Not only will your training be ineffective, but you may also suffer injury or illness and that can mean that you'll have to stop training altogether. Finally, let's look at reversibility, which means gradually losing fitness instead of progressing or remaining at the current level. This normally happens when a person is ill or injured some people keep their fitness longer than others this may be related to how long they have taken to build up their fitness or how serious their illness or injury was however anyone will lose fitness if they stop training a good example of this is myself at the moment I haven't been able to run for six months due to an injury in my foot I know that when I start training again I will have to start almost like a beginner due to the lack of fitness that I will have left in my body in your pep You must include rest and recovery to allow for adaptation. You need to show to the examiner that you understand about rest and recovery and how this promotes adaptation. You need to make sure that you allow for this and it's an integral part of the plan that you create and not just something that you add on. A really good way to show reversibility or progression is to use your heart rate after completing your training program, especially in your PEP. You can measure how long it takes for your heart rate to return to normal following an exercise and you are doing this as part of your PEP. If you miss training for a couple of weeks through injury or illness or sickness, you may see reversibility taking place as your heart rate takes longer to return to normal. Whilst this isn't ideal, as long as you recognise this and write about it in your PEP and in part of the conclusion, you will still gain marks for this. Well, that completes this podcast on the principles of training. I hope you found that useful. Don't forget to look up me on YouTube. Look for Richard Effendale and you'll find the YouTube channel with screencasts and video lessons. And also subscribe to this radio station so you can get future podcasts. Thank you for listening to another Mr Huff and Puff podcast. And remember, hashtag Trust the